Welcome back in everyone to a wonderful new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a wonderful, wonderful show to be telling you about today, benefiting one of our favorite theaters. And joining us to talk to us about this project, we have the director Rob Roth and the choreographer Vangeline. They're joining us to talk to us about Screen Test, a wild project benefit screening, which is happening Saturday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. at the Wild Project. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting ovationticks.com. Again, we are so excited to be sharing this with you. We love the Wild Project. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guest, Rob Vangeline. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's our pleasure. <laughs> I'm so excited to learn more about this piece. So Rob, why don't we start with you and have you tell us a little bit about what Screen Test is and is about. Screen Test was a production that I created early. The early form was at PS122, and I'm going to get all the dates wrong, but let's just say it was, I think it was 2005, where I was invited to do something for a program that they had called schoolhouse rocks and it was mostly for musicians and artists too. so i asked theo kogan who was the lead singer of the lunatics and a friend she had been working on her solo music and i thought well that would be a perfect thing to start working with so that's how it started it was really just an installation and, and a concert in a small part of ps122 and it was so well received that they invited us the next season to open it to develop it more and from there we, I kept developing it until the 2008 version at Abrams Art Center, which is what the, this film version is. It's, we we took a day, Evangeline, was that right, to film the whole thing? Was it one? It we did one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My memory is going to, I mean, it's, it's interesting to dive back into this, to say the least. <laughs> I love that, though. That's so wonderful. So, Vangeline, I want to bounce over to you now. What inspired you all to create this piece? Well, I think we have to talk about how Rob and I met because we met for, for this piece. Essentially, our friend Chichi Valenti, who's a common, very good friend of ours, introduced us. And I think I joined not in the earlier version, which was in 2004, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think you invited me to jump in in the second version, which was in yeah. 2006. I yeah. believe. Yeah. And, um, I think Rob and I, I remember meeting Rob and Theo at a cafe around Union Square, and we did not know each other. Mm. And it was kind of like, okay, let's do this together. And what was really amazing, I think, is that Rob did not know me, and he immediately gave me carte blanche, like complete creative license to, to basically start creating choreography for the piece, which was initially was a little bit like you know backup dancers at a concert but as the piece developed through throughout its various incarnations the dance became more a metaphor for the thematics that were running through the piece you know the buto buto as an art form particularly being dark and you know emblematic of uh, you know the chaos within or the societal chaos that surrounds us was really sort of connecting all the pieces I feel in in the piece as a as a metaphor or as an image does it make sense Rob yeah I mean I'm just thinking about well meeting you it's funny to think about yeah. the first time I met you I feel like I've known you forever so it's hard for me to remember the first time but 
it is Chichi Belente, of course, who is always the bridge between many people. But I had had a little experience watching Buto previously because of Chichi. Like we, she had, she kind of championed that in the world of Jackie Sixty, and there were these. Uh, so I, so I knew of Buto, and I was already fascinated with it. So meeting Vangeline, it this happens in life. Uh, every so often, it's not a lot, but it does happen where you meet someone and there's, it's an immediacy. There's absolutely no second guessing. And when I met Vangeline, for some reason, that's, it's like that. And I'm like, oh, this is completely, totally right. Uh, she gets, and, and that's rare. And so when that happens, you have to really go for it. <laughs> By any means necessary. I mean, it took a long time. I mean, it was not... That's the other thing I must say is the, you know, to so many people's credit, but particularly Evangeline, she had the absolute patience to keep developing this piece with me over years. It wasn't just, you know, let's do it. We didn't have the money. You know, it's a, you know how this goes. It's the same old story and nothing's really changed. Actually has changed. It's gotten worse in my opinion now to fund more downtown or whatever you want to call it off Broadway. So she had the apps. I had so many people who had the dedication to this piece because they believed in it. So, and Evangeline being a, a you know top <laughs> tier part of this, and understood it. You know, really understood it at a core level. So I was very lucky. Hmm. But it was definitely an interesting challenge and invitation for me because you know I'm a, I'm a Bhutto dancer and I'm a Bhutto choreographer. But part of my mission has been to really bring Bhutto out of the the museum where it's being kept <laughs> and, and sort of drag it into all avenues and all different contexts in New York City and especially the New York, New York nightlife and popular culture. So there was a, an amazing invitation for me that was aligned with my sort of my core mission, which is let's see what happens when we juxtapose Bhutto with rock, with, I don't know, striptease or jazz or whatever, whatever makes New York what New York is, you know? Yeah, probably that was the the, the immediacy meeting. Evangeline was, we were at a very similar, I guess maybe it's a mission, I don't know, but we had a very similar way of looking. There's a fearlessness, like she was not pre precious about where Bouteau lived. In fact, it was more of a, uh, yeah, let's try this, you know? And I'm all about juxtapositions of, um, you know, people ask me, oh, you do musicals. It's like, not really. Oh, you do plays. It's like, not really. They're, they're these kind of hybrids. I'm always interested in the hybrid. And Screen Test is essentially an installation rock show. I don't, I never really know how, it's not quite a rock opera. It's not quite an installation. It's kind of a more theatrical presentation of a traditional rock show, I think, maybe. I don't know. I, I I haven't looked at it again. I only looked at it briefly to pull a scene to put online. And one thing I will say that is really interesting that Evangeline can also speak of is it's been so long and watching parts of it, I have the exact same feeling today that I did then with what the world is going through right now. It's really sad, but also interesting that these things seem to be cyclical. It never... Same as it ever was. That's kind of what I was like, oh, same as it ever was. I feel just the same frustration and fear and and anger that I did 
then, which was the Bush administration, you know, war on terror, but all of that time, that's what that show was a reaction to. It was channeling all my frustration and anger about it, which is what art is. But I, I'm just fascinated by that we're doing this Saturday and I literally feel a very similar feeling lately. That is so fantastic and fascinating. I love that. It's amazing how relevant a piece can be, you know, from 5, 10, 15 years ago. And it's like, did we learn or, you know, just not moved at all? Like, this is insane, you know? So I love the fact that it's just as true. It rings just as true today as it did when it was conceived. So I'm curious to know, what was it like developing the work? And Rob, let me start with you on that. I guess I'm used to things taking their the time they take to do them. I mean, it's I, that's another thing that's interesting about Buto is this sense of time and patience and kind of slow ways of of de, you know developing. And I feel like that's how the piece kind of happened. It had, there was no choice. It was like we would get a small amount of money, do some, and then, you know, do one piece of it. I did the opening. I think the very first presentation was the monologue, which is a projection of the, of Theo Kogan, the performer on herself. And it was like, that was like the, the, what I used the money for was the first opening uh, monologue presentation, which is a, this stuff I was developing, a technique I was already developing with Theo about, projecting oneself on oneself so it looks like a double exposure and it almost acts as the internal monologue that people have in their head or some sort of ghost you know ghostly is she dead is she not all of that so we did that first and I think that's and that was with just music that Theo was doing with Theo and the skyscrapers it was so well received that the next version I think that's when Vangeline came in we opened up the season for uh, PS122 and then they started writing custom music for the whole piece and I would give them slight directions of like you know I, I do remember saying I need you to write the saddest song you've ever written in your life for one of them which was called Pink Dust and that kind of happened so it was that that's really it and then we would get other opportunities I think that we did it one more time eventually for the Coil Festival and then we did a final version that Abrams Art Center for like a two or three week run I can't you know it's all very fraction in my mind so it just kept developing each time you do it and that's I don't know I think that's good I mean it's I have no other way of doing things you you just kind of and I like I said I have such gratitude and love for Vangeline who not just kept doing it but kept bringing more more ideas and more passion and more truth to it as we kept doing it I don't know what was your process Vangeline for develop. I mean, also Vangeline had every every dancer who was perfect for this on at at her fingertips. I mean, it was like I, I couldn't believe it. You know, it was incredible. I didn't. There were no auditions as far no. as I remember. No, I never, <laughs> I never. I never even auditioned dancers. It doesn't work that way. But it's kind of interesting. Like the I think the word process is very interesting because. When we think, for me, when I think of Bhutto, we we know that this is not result oriented, but definitely it was it was a process, and I did have the perfect. We had the perfect cast for it for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean it's that's what I mean about meeting 
through the people. It's just so destined. I don't know what I feel about destiny, but there's so many things that to me, and I look back, I'm like, well, that was just destined to have. I mean, there was no, the problems didn't lie anywhere within the people or the, the problems are always like money outside or like produce, you know, people want, it has nothing to do with the core. There were, there were no, it was such a beautiful experience, really, when I look back. It was very hard. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like easy, <laughs> but it was beautiful experience for me. Yeah. And we, we kept, I remember with each incarnation, we kept adding more dancers. We started with two dancers flanking yeah. Theo and then, yeah. then we added four and then we had all these boys i remember in the last incarnation that were like in this beautiful slow motion scene at the end so the choreography was also for the other performers and theo but it was a gradual labor of love for sure and yeah, uh, yeah. Rob was, was like sort of in the middle holding all the threads <laughs> in his teeth sweating <laughs> <laughs> it's not yeah it's a lot i mean there's a lot I, I think I've been told that like, you know, and I don't like this, but that I can make a hundred dollars look like a hundred thousand. And it's just, I, you know, it's a, it's annoying talent to have because I would rather have the hundred thousand to make the thing, you know, but it is kind of this, I don't know, like, and, and Vangeline and I have a very discerning eye. It's very, I trust Vangeline's eye when I'm not in the room. Like it's, it's great. You know, we both have a very, there's a perfectionism, I think, to what we do. I mean, there, but at the same time, like I said, Vangeline is not so not afraid to try a different way of doing something or like that Bouteau can't be, you know, it's like she's so free in that um, understanding of, of, of experimentation. I think it's true experimentation. Yeah, I think so. And what's really unique, I think, about screen tests, it's a Rob is a visual artist first, right? And then a director. But uh, I feel like for me, it was the, the visuals that Rob created were so visionary. I've never, never in my life encountered someone who can integrate video work to live performance like Rob does. And to this day, I have not encountered a true, true successful integration of video video art and live performance ever. And I think you're the only artist for me that I've encountered that does this to, on that level with such, you know, the experimentation of like Theo's yeah. face on her face and um, yeah. but how, how the background images work, but also your level of specificity with lighting, for example, how for me, it, it, it's very important because you know, Bhutto, Bhutto is like a mood, it's an atmosphere, it's an environment. And then so if the visuals don't support that, it doesn't matter how amazing my work is. You know, if you if you light us with a horrible clip light or <laughs> green fluorescent light, I mean, it's that level of dedication and specificity uh, uh, visually that created this spectacle that we could all insert ourselves in your vision, I feel like, you know. But, yeah, spectacle is a good word. I mean, people try to just, you know, add, like I said, what is it? Is it a concert? It's, it's kind of a spectacle. spectacle yeah. You know, and I mean, as far as video, the, the funny thing is, is I come from, well, I was, I've said this in many of an interview. I was a painter first and I still consider myself a painter, even though I don't touch paint anymore. Really, like I don't like, I, I sketch, but I don't paint anymore. And I look at everything through that lens, through a painter's, you know, I or what aesthetic 
but video there was nothing more annoying to me than when video is served as it's you could tell they got a grant or something and they just put video in you know or you can tell that they they felt like they needed video because it's new or everyone else has video i always looked at video as a character that was how i approached things or or an extension of a character like most of the video in that show is in within her consciousness her mind and it's there's no there's no reason to have video unless it actually serves what am i trying to say like integrated way it can't i i just i don't know how exactly to say it but it's just painterly i that's how i would simply put it it has to be painterly it has to be i like when you don't even realize it's video that that's kind of what i look for is like uh people when the opening monologue that was projected and Funny enough, they have so much better ways of doing this now. Like I would hold a projector and burn my fingers like to try to get it to line up with our enemy. Now they have so much new technology that is so much better, but it was really important to me that it people thought that it was real. I mean, this is, this is the other thing about Vangeline. Theo Kogan is placed on the stage at the very beginning of the show before the doors open. And that was very important to me. I, 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 my philosophy is when the doors open, the show has started, not the audience filling in and then the show starts. I have always felt like when you walk into the theater, that's the sh that show has started, whether it be, and, and I sent the room, which is very, a lot of people don't remember that or know. It's like a, it has, it, as soon as you walk in the door, there has to be this experience happening. So Theo would have to stand still, so it, like death still, for sometimes maybe a half an hour for some of the longest. And, and, and Evangeline worked with her to, Really, that was one of the most, I mean, of all the successes of it, that was the most impressive to me, that she and Theo worked together to to really perfect that, where people were blown away that there was actually a person there. They they didn't believe it. So that was like, you know, a, a, a specific thing I can think of where Evangeline got it and and she is the, the master. She knows how to do that. If you, you know, there, there's no one else I would trust to make somebody train them for that so anyway, more props to you evangeline <laughs> when you talk when you talk about video like what comes to my mind is i think it's just one element that propels the dramaturgy of the piece and when i think of your work i think of dramaturgy and that, mm. that's why i like working with you because it's it's a dramaturgy that is so complex with so many moving parts you know but that's very very elaborate and i love dramaturgy <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. You should also know that Evangeline and I, Evangeline's basically worked on every theater piece I have ever done to a, to an extent, you know, even the Mystery of Clay Woman with Michael Cavadias, even, but Soundstage, which was the second in this series kind of that I look at, was a mo even more complex presentation with video and sound. And Evangeline knew, I mean, there was a whole movement with actual director of photography on stage. I mean, it's so complex to talk about sometimes, but again, Vangeline, there were no real questions. I think Vangeline just knew exactly what I was trying to achieve, did it, enhanced it. You know, it's just one of those relationships that's really kind of great. I mean, I, I hope to do a third in the series. We don't know. We'll see. I'm not saying anything except that. <laughs> I love all that. What an incredible journey the show has gone on. This is amazing.
Vangeline, I would love to know as a choreographer, you know, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from this, the screen of screen test? I mean, for me, I never think of it in terms of message, you know, or thematics. I think of it in terms of ex something that's experiential and almost sensory based. <laughs> I, I think of art as something that can touch the senses and then the senses can trigger our imagination, maybe even our soul, our spirit, and help us remember ourselves as, as human beings and why we are here on this planet. So I think of art and especially the work that Rob has created as a giant memory shaker, <laughs> jog, jog your, your universal memory and remember yourself, remember yourself that you are not a cog in the machine. You are not, you don't have to follow the rules. You don't have to sink into despair, even though you do have to sink into despair sometimes. <laughs> but for me, Bhutto and, and true art is something that helps us remember deeply who we are as human beings. Yeah. I agree with all of that. <laughs> well, Rob, what is the message or thought that you're hoping that audiences will take away from this? I never really, I agree with Vangeline in the sense that I, I like when people leave with a feeling, you know, and it's not a, it's not necessarily a good feeling sometimes, that it's not necessarily made to make people, it's like a solidarity, really. I remember that particular version, the final version of, uh, of Screen Test after opening night, I was in the lobby of Abrams in this young, kind of like really almost like Edward Gorey drawing young man came over to me and all he said was, I'm scared too. And that was that was his whole kind of review and thing. And it was, that's why you do it. I mean, that's really, to me, I was like, okay, you got it. And I am too. And you understand. And I think go go forth with that feeling and make something or or do something or you know don't just also it's this, like I said a solidarity you're not alone you know you are not alone we there are others who feel exactly this way and it's good to know it's a reminder it's like Vangeli said shaking you know you it's we exist and take your frustrations and your fear and channel them into art which is what that you know it's really for it sounds so like eh, but I thought that was for me it was a, a channeling of all of my like frustration and anger and um I will I do want to throw in there though that this is like a screening of the film version it's not you know it's all very different I mean I set out to make a more than just a documentation of the film of the piece like a lot of these these films of theater pieces are just a very kind of one shot to maybe maybe a three camera i did it with multi cameras and i edited it like a music video to a certain extent and you know i just tried my best to give it its own cinema language within that because that's what i'm that's really the nature of my work is to try to have cinema and theater they're constantly blending and overlapping and they're both different languages so it's sometimes works and sometimes you know maybe not so as well but it's it's a constant for me that's really the, the the nature of my core of what maybe aesthetically I'm always trying to to combine those two worlds but I will add something to that even to my statement I think there's something else I hope that people get from this is the level of excellence that is possible the level of excellence that we should aspire to when we are creating work and I think right now in New York it's very possible that the conditions are not 
present, not that they were then, but mm -hmm. that it's really difficult. It would be almost impossible to, to, to do this monumental, colossal type of complex work today without a humongous amount of funding. Yeah. But what we can aspire to is that, is that meticulousness that um, I will kill myself making work until it is something that can be remembered for generations to come. And that's why this work to me is a classic. And yes, it won't be the live experience because I remember the live experience <laughs> I sat in yeah, yeah. every yeah. single time. But the film will will convey some of that. And what it conveys is that people can come together and aspire to a level of excellence in the art, you know, and try to really create something that's not half-assed and good enough that drives me crazy <laughs> yeah i mean i that's again like i said Evangeline and i have a level of perfection i think that is matched and and can can play off each other one thing i will say is you know it, it, you it is it's, it was a different time i mean it was it was i i, I look back and I, I sometimes go i don't remember how i did that really i mean i really sometimes don't i just keep going forward and but it's it's correct in that i wanted it to feel large you know i wanted it to feel large another funny thing i just remembered with too was when when we and when i first saw the main stage of abrams art center which is down actually my neighborhood i was I loved it because it had such history. It was, there's so much about it, the right feeling. There are theaters I walk in that I get, they're haunted and I know it. And this, this was one of them. Some theaters I walk in, I go, I could do something here, whatever. But this one was special. And what I did was I, I took all of the psychs, down, all, everything down to make it raw. And I don't remember who it was, but I think it was someone from PS122 was like, what are you doing? Like, I just, I, I, because when I pulled, uh, looked past the curtain of the back, they had this brick wall and a huge uh, metal door to the shop, the, the the stage shop. And I thought, oh my, this is it. And I and it made it the way we lit it, the video quality, all of it, that it ended up looking like a set, like a really expensive set. And it also had the right, like, tone and feeling and i remember whoever said it PS after opening night was like wow i that was a great move you know it's like yeah i know what i'm doing <laughs> like you know it's and that's what i mean about these like just do it you know do what you don't don't try to imitate somebody else or you know like really go do it if you're feeling that that's the right choice and everyone's like what the fuck are you doing you do it you know, and you'll see. It's kind of it's it's wild when that happens. It's very funny, and I think that's what Angeline has too. She gets it. You know, you get it. Anyway, it's my little soapbox moment. <laughs> no, I love all that. That's so wonderful. <laughs> and now we've arrived at my final question for this first part, which I'll ask both of you, and that is, who do you hope have access to the showing of Screen Test? And Rob, why don't I start first with you on that? Well, I mean, it's a, let's be real. It's a fundraiser for the Wild Project. And I would, you know, look, I hate looking at all my old work. So I would only do this, well, for Evangeline, of course, but for Anna Mori, who runs the, who's the founder of the Wild Project. It was her idea. She approached me and I would do anything for her and the Wild Project. So I just hope that it 
it raises some money for the wild project. That's really what I hope. I hope it's, I hope the people who come see it have deep pockets. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's just people who I know the people who were work who were involved with it or in it are coming which will be a lovely little reunion of sorts you know but for me the real I want to get across on this podcast is we're doing it to raise money for independent downtown theater that is you know dying a slow death and we need to really put some life back into it so you know even if you can't come send some twenty dollars <laughs> yes i love that i love that Vangeline, how about you who do you hope have access to the screening well i agree with rob i hope that they make some money because we need, we cannot lose in more theaters you know that's kind of devastating what's happening but it, it is a reunion of sort like mandy one of the first original dancers coming from ithaca we we have like people who, who were in the audience then that are coming to see the show. But there are also a new crop, a new generation of younger people, younger artists that I have invited. And I'm really, really excited for them to see the work that that we created That because they could not be there. It was like uh, they were too young <laughs> at the time. Not They were born, but they were too young. So it's it feels like a bridge, you know, an intergenerational bridge in the artistic community. And I really love that. I love that idea of legacy and inspiration across generations. interview we love giving our listeners a chance to get to know our guest a little bit better pick your brain if you will and I know we're just a little bit short on time but I can't let you two go without asking you our favorite question to ask guests which is what is your favorite theater memory it's kind of hard for me because I'm a, a performer as well as a choreographer. So the, the, the memories that are the strongest for me are the ones where I've performed Bhutto, you know. And especially when you perform Bhutto, you know, you have these profound experiences that are ghost-like of um, being inhabited by ghosts or seeing ghosts backstage. Or For me, it's all about spirit. My, my work is uh, spiritual in nature. <laughs> so my favorite memories is the, the times when I have been on stage and I have felt completely possessed or surrounded in a very clear way by the spiritual world that is working through me. So <laughs> there's there's many of them. There's no favorite one. There's like <laughs> a necklace, a necklace of experiences in my life that way. Ooh, I like I like what that. That's a good analogy. I love that. I mean my the first thing that came to my mind, I'll just do that. I, I have several that came, but the very first thing with that question was when I was very young, probably eight, maybe seven, my grandmother would take me to Radio City Music Hall for the Christmas spectacular show. And I just remember being so entranced by every part of that experience of, of walking into Radio City, sitting down the Rockettes. I was just like, you know, like as a young child, it was just the spectacle of it, the the pageantry, the dressing up for it. I mean, it's just so much about it. It's a memory with my grandmother, of course, but it really was the probably the first, you know, influence to, of something that is truly 
big theatrical, you know, and I lived in New York, I'm from New York. So it was like, it was, I was so lucky to see that so young. And I think it probably, and I just thought about this. My first experience with Butoh was the Butoh Rockettes that were at Jackie 60. And that was, they did the Rockettes, but really slow for the Christmas show. It was always something that I was amazing. So I, that was my, that's my very first kind of introduction to Butoh. And then of course, Chi Chi introduced me to Vangeline, who she, so it, there's a lovely little trajectory there of me as a child at Radio City, the Butoh Rockettes, and then to Vangeline. <laughs> that is such a wonderful memory. I love all of those memories. Thank you both so much for sharing those. Those were wonderful. As we wrap things up, I want to first start by asking, do either of you have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? In, in New York, in June, we have the festival Queer Buto. So I invite everyone to come check it out. It's at the Brick, the last days of June. And then in October, we're going to have the Buto Festival, which features uniquely women from Latin America. So that's going to be really cool. The only thing I have I, that's definitely happening is in April, it, I do a gallery show with the actor Rebecca Hall. She's also a painter on top of being a, an incredible actor and director. She's also a painter. So we're doing a duo show of her paintings uh, of audiences, funny enough. Like she does this series of audience where it's all audiences and they're based on photos I've taken. And then mine are mostly Polaroids that I've been working on for four years and, and in their different forms of people, places, you know, it's kind of like a living diary. So that's in April and that's at the Alchemy Gallery in the Lower East Side. And then I go to Australia with Blondie to <laughs> do that rock and roll tour. And I'm working on some other stuff, but it's all in development. That is all amazing. Sounds like you both have some incredible things coming that we want to stay tuned for. And that's a great lead into my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about screen test or about either of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Well, uh, for me, uh, screen test, just go to thewildproject.org, I believe it is. And that's where you can buy tickets for Saturday for our screening benefit and talk. For me, you, you know, okay, you can Google me, but I am, I'd like to officially state on this podcast, I am not the Rob Roth who directed Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. So that is a very important thing that I have to keep doing because I, it is an endless problem that just never seems to go away. So you can look, you can find me at rob-roth.com. <laughs> yeah, and you can find me at evangeline.com and uh, people can find out about performances and we have workshops and classes every week. So if people want to sample and try Buto, come on over, come and give it a shot and your life might just be changed. <laughs> well, wonderful. Well, Rob, Evangeline, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been an absolute joy. And the film and the, the show itself sounds amazing. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having us. I'm so pleased. Thank you for the yeah. attention. My well, guests today have been the director, Rob Roth, and the choreographer, Vangeline. 
both who are part of the show Screen Test, which is having a benefit screening for the Wild Project on Saturday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. This is all happening at the Wild Project, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting ovationticks.com or thewildproject.org. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be putting in our social media post as well as on our episode description. But make sure you come out, one, to see this amazing work, but two, to support this amazing theater, especially all of you out there, as Rob said, with Deep Pockets. Come on out. We're raising money for a great organization, and they have the perfect vehicle to do so with this great captured recording of the show. So once again, please join us on Saturday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. at The Wild Project for a benefit screening of Screen Test. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac. By Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.